Masechet Nedarim Daf Chaf Aleph. We begin the third pedic with vows that someone says, but they don't mean, and therefore they are null and void for to, from from the beginning. There are four categories of vows that the rabbis permitted, even if someone says it, it does not create any binding vow. Everything is permitted. Here are the categories. Nidre zeruzin. If someone makes a vow to of encouragement, we're going to see examples of that today. Venidre havai, a vow of exaggeration. It's obvious he doesn't mean it. Venidre shigagot, a vow that's unintentional. Venidre onasin, and a vow that the fulfillment is beyond one's control. Onis is a, it's a, a forced situation. So we'll see all these in turn. But today we're going to focus on the first one. What does that mean, a vow of encouragement? Someone is in the shuk and they're selling uh, gourds. And so the seller says, I make a vow, I will not sell you this gourd for any, anything less than one selah. A uh, selah is worth four dinarim. So he says, I am not going to sell this for a penny less than four, than four dinarim. And if I do, then it will be prohibited to me. Either the item or the money will be kunam, will be like a korban. So I'll have to throw it out anyway. But the buyer, right, they're negotiating, and the buyer says, I make a vow that I will not pay not any, not a dollar more than a shekel. A shekel is worth two dinarim. So the seller says, not less than four. The buyer says, not more than two. And he says, and that will be a korban, right? This money will be a korban to me if I pay more than two. Or the item, the gourd will be prohibited to me. So there'll be no point in buying it. Okay, so now they're at a, they're stuck. They're at a crossroads. Neither one will budge. But in the end, they do compromise and they settle on three. So it's evident that each one, they only said, the seller only said, I will not, you know, I will not sell this for a penny less than four. Okay, how about three? Okay, fine. Right, so by saying that he means this, it's a negotiation tactic. He's just setting his boundary, but he means that he'll sell you know, something close to that. When one says four, when one says two, everybody knows that they're going to compromise compromise with three and even when they made the vow I won't take a penny less than four is uh, when a person says that they're uh, hinting that all right I'll take a, I will take a little less than four but I'm not not going to go down to one I'm not going to go down to two and so this is the normal way that people speak in negotiation but they don't actually mean that they want to take a vow and prohibit the item itself all right now, that's the Mishnah, the Gemara will analyze. So Rabbi Abba tells Rabbi Ameh, you once taught us uh, in the name of Rabbi Yudah Nesiah. This is not Rabbi Yudah Nasi, who's a last generation Tana. This is his grandson, uh, who was also the Nasi, uh, but was an Amora. Mantena arba'a nedarim, Rabbi Yehudahi. Who's, who's the author of this Mishnah that says there's four types of nedarim that don't even need to be canceled? They are null and void to begin with. Um, it's the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. This is Rabbi Yehuda, the fourth generation Tana, Rabbi Yehuda bar Ilai. 
who said, he said in the name of the Bitarfon, an earlier Tana, we already saw this statement uh, in the previous staff. It's going to come up also later on. We're talking about a case where you have a bunch of people sitting and they see someone coming in the distance and they're not sure who it is. And one of them says, oh, that looks like uh, Mr. Cohen, right? And I'll be a Nazir if it's not Mr. Cohen. The other one says, no, I don't think it's Mr. Cohen. I'll be as a Nazir if it is Mr. Cohen. And the next one says, I'll be a Nazir if one of you are a Nazir, and so on. Um, so there's a machloket there, which one of them becomes a Nazir or not. And a Bitarfon is of the opinion that none of them are, naz- are a Nazir, even though the first two actually have made opposite vows, one a Nazir if he is, one a Nazir if he isn't. Nevertheless, a Bitarfon says, the, uh, there is no nazirut that's on a condition. Um, uh, nazir has to be lehafla'a only if it's explicit for sure. A person does not take upon himself this vow of obligation on his own body and what he's going to have to do and not do for a month unless he's saying it explicitly, absolutely. Uh, so if there's any condition, any doubt involved, then it's not nazirut. And so uh, it must be, uh, so here, the Biyameh, the Biyameh, is teaching that the author of our Mishnah is the Biyameh, who said in the name of Ribi Tarfon, that if there's any condition, it's not, a, it's not a Nazir. And he would say the same thing regarding any Neder. And here, this, 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 this Neder, the seller is saying, this will be a Korban if I sell it for less than four. Oh, there's an if statement in there. So you're not for sure, you're not, you're not, you're not saying for sure that you're going to make it a korban? Uh, you're going to make it prohibited? Then it's not a neder. Okay, so he must be the author. That's one opinion. Rava says, no, I could even explain the Mishnah according to all the other sages who disagree with Rabbi Tafon. The other sages say that a nazir, a conditional nazir is binding and a conditional vow is binding. If the, and if the, if the uh, uh, condition comes true, then it will be prohibited and then you will be a nazir. But this case is different from a regular condition because it doesn't say that each of them decided that they agreed to three. It's not like the seller said, I'm not, I won't sell it for any, a penny less than four. And then after the guy said three, he changed his mind. He said, okay, fine, I'll take three. He didn't change his mind and now decided. It says rotsin in the present tense, but in the present tense meaning that all along, right, it was the, the entire time he knew in the back of his mind he would take three. And so therefore, even when he said, I won't take a penny less than four, he didn't mean it. So at the, at, the very, at the very beginning of the vow, at the very moment that he said the vow, he did not mean for it to be binding. He, was just, he just said it as part of the negotiation. But the whole time, he was thinking, I know we're going to settle on three, but I'm going to say I won't take less than four so that I get three. And the buyer also said, I'm not going to take, uh, I won't pay a dollar more than two. And by that, he knew also from the beginning that we're going to end up at three. Um, but that's just the art of negotiation. You can't just, you know, agree on a price. You have to negotiate. You have to haggle. Okay. Ravina What about this case? If the seller says, 
I, uh, I, I vow that I'm going to take more than a selah uh, for this. Instead of saying, I'm not going to take a dollar less than four, he said, I will only sell it if it's more than four. And the buyer says, I will only buy it if I pay less than two. Instead of in the original formula where uh, up here in the Mishnah, where he says, I will not uh, pay a dollar more than two. Um, uh, in that case, we just said, it's evident when he says, I won't pay a dollar more than two, he means that he will pay a little bit more than two, right? That's how people say it. That's kind of a hint. When the seller says, I won't uh, take a, a dollar less than four, anything less than four, he means, okay, fine, I'll take a little less than four. But the question is, what if, and so therefore, th that's why the Mishnah says it's null and void to begin with. But Ravina's question is, what if a person, they, they don't say that formula, they don't say, I'm going to take, I, I won't take less than four. He only says, I will, he, he says instead, I will only take more than four. Then what do we consider that? Is that a valid vow? Because he said it in that way, right? And no, he says, I'm, I'm going to sell, I, I will sell it only for more than four. Then does that mean he really means it? Or is that also a language of encouragement? Is that also a way of negotiation that the person would say, oh, are you kidding? You know how much I paid for this? I, I have to break even. I have to sell it for more than four. And then the other one says three. He says, okay, fine, three. So uh, which, is, which is it? Do, do we say this language is the same as the previous language or not? We're going to prove from this Badaita that in fact people use exaggerated language all the time and they don't mean it. And so therefore even if he says um, I have to get more than four Still, he doesn't mean it, and it's not a valid vow. How do we know that? From this uh, baraita, that a, a host is uh, asking someone to come over, right, come in and eat something, come and eat something, and the guest says, uh, fine, uh, says, says, korban, right, I am prohibited, I will not enter your home, or I'll enter, but I'm not going to have even a sip of water, of cold water. And he says that. What's the consequence? This is not a valid vow. Mutad, he's permitted to go into the house and he can drink some cold water because what he meant to say is that he's not going to eat and drink and have a whole meal, right? So the host comes and says, come in and have a whole meal. And the other one says, oh, I promise I'm not even going to have a, a sip of water. What he means by that is that he will have a sip of water. He's just not going to have a whole meal. And so you see in this um, exaggerated language, you know, we say he's not going to do precisely that. It's still permitted. So we asked about that. But What he said, he's not going to have any, even a sip of cold water. So how come it's allowed? We see that people speak this way in exaggerated terms. And therefore, since that's the normal way to speak, it's permitted. And so it's a normal way also in negotiation to say, um, I'm going to only pay less than two, even though you really mean that you'll pay a little bit more than two. And so all these vows are not valid. Amar le. So Ravina responded to that 
Um, right, this, this question was asked by Ravina to Ravasheh. Ravasheh said, it's not a valid neder. Ravina said, wait, your proof, I don't like your proof because it's not the same. Regarding, come in and have a call, have a, have a sip of cold water. Sadiqim, say a little and do a lot. Well, we just learned that in last parasha from Abraham Avinu. Right, he says, come in and have a little bit. And then he offers the angels a lot. And so since the host, who's a Sadiq, uh, the host comes in and says, and says, come in and just have a, have a little drink. Now the host means that he's going to give him a whole meal. But if I say come and have a whole meal, then the person's going to refuse. So I'm just going to ask for a little, right? Just come, just come in for two minutes and have a little drink with me. Uh, but the host actually is lying. Well, he's not lying, right? He, well, he's, he means that he's uh, going to offer much more. He says less than he means. So since the word come in and have a, come in for two minutes and have a drink actually means a whole meal in the host's mind, so too in the guest's mind when he says, no, I vow I'm not going to come in and have even a drink, uh, even, a, uh, even a little drink. So what he means by that is the same thing. I'm not going to have a whole meal. They're speaking in cold language, right? Like we see every day. Um, but when he says that, he does in fact have in mind intention that he will go come in and actually just have a drink. He just is not going to have a meal. So this is that is a different thing because everybody knows, everybody's speaking basically the same code language and that's why it's not a valid vow in that baraita. But here, regarding the uh, buyer and seller in the shuk, but Ravina says it's not the same, it's the same as not here. We're really not sure what the person has in mind. It's sometimes when the seller says, I have to get more than four even to break even, then he actually means it. And maybe when the buyer says, I'm not, I can't pay more than two, I can't afford more than, I, uh, I can only afford less than, uh, less than two, he says, right? I'm only, I'm going to pay, I can only pay much less than two, then maybe he means it. Um, or maybe in fact he's saying it for encouragement as part of negotiation. And uh, so since we're not sure if he's saying it for Zeruzin, or he means precisely his words and means it as a vow, uh, therefore, it's not the same as your case where the, both the host and the guest surely want, they, they, the host surely wants him to come in and have a meal and the host also knows that he means that he wants to offer him a meal. Uh, where uh, is not would not be binding. So here we leave it tibae, which is the equivalent in nedarim of the word teko. We leave it standing, and so that's a standing question. Okay, Amar Rav Yehuda, Amar Rav Aseh. So Rav Yudah says in the name of Rav Aseh that these four categories of vows, you actually do need to absolve them with a chacham. Uh, now, this is a challenge. We question this. We repeated this in front of Shemuel. And he said, uh, Shemuel said, no, this doesn't sound right. Because our Mishnah says these four categories, the rabbis permitted, meaning you don't have to go to a chacham and absolve it. It's not, the person didn't intend to make a vow, so it's not a vow to begin with. And you say that you have to go and, and ask, for, uh, ask for it to be canceled. This doesn't make sense. 
Okay, that's one version of Rav Yosef's statement. But Rav Yosef uh, remembered a different version. So Rav Yosef taught it this way. Rav Yudah um, and the name of Rav Yosef did not say what, just now what you said. Instead, he said, What it actually said is that a Chacham is only permitted to undo a vow if it's similar to one of these four categories. In other words, if it's actually one of these four categories right, um, of a negotiation, like we said, then it does not need to be absolved at all. The person never meant it. Uh, what Avasay is teaching is that, in general, if someone makes, a, someone makes a different type of vow and he wants to undo it, then a, come to the Chacham, and the Chacham can undo it if it has a similarity with one of these four. In other words, if the Chacham can prove that the person never intended to make the vow to begin with. In that case, he can undo it. So what does that mean? What this means is that a Chacham should not use harata, regret, as a means of canceling the vow. We mentioned there's two ways of canceling a, canceling a vow. One is uh, is re by regret, and one is by finding a petach, an opening. Let's explain what they are. Regret means if I get angry at my friend and I say, I'm never coming over to your house um, anymore. I say it in anger, but then afterward, uh, and when I said it, I meant it. But then afterwards, I calm down and I go to the Chacham and says, I regret saying it, right? I feel bad that I said it. Can you undo the vow? In that case, it actually was, I did say a vow, but now that I regret it, so we can go back and cancel that vow so it won't be binding anymore. That's Charata. But in that case, I did uh, mean the vow when I said it. The other way of, uh, of uh, absolving a vow is to show that I didn't mean it in the first place. For example, um, I tell my friend, I'm not going to come over to your house anymore. But then I come to the Chacham and I say, listen, I, when I said that, I didn't realize that he lives in the same, uh, in a two-floor, in a, in a two-story house, and it's the same house as my, uh, as my brother. And so I didn't realize that when I said, I'm not going to come to your house anymore, that means I can't visit my brother anymore. I would never have made the vow if I knew that. And so in that case, the Chacham says, oh, when you said the vow, it was on false pretenses. You never actually meant the vow because you didn't take into account all of the consequences of that vow. Or, for example, I say, I'm not going to eat sugar anymore. But I didn't realize that my favorite salad dressing has sugar in it. And I didn't mean that. I wanted to be healthier. And I would never have make, taken that vow if I knew that the consequences would be such. So um, that's a way not of doing it out of charata because of regret. But by finding a petach, by finding uh, something, a realization that I did not take into account. And if I had, been, had I been aware of it, I never would have made the vow in the first place. So the similarity of finding an opening and these four four categories is that at the time that I made the vow it's not that I made I meant the vow and now I'm going back and saying I regret that I made it um, the similarity is that just like in these four categories when I made the vow if I'm the seller I never I never meant it to begin with as I was saying it I knew I was going to take take uh, three coins and so too if um, if I say I'm not going to eat any sugar um, when I said it, I thought I meant it, 
but actually I didn't know the consequences. So now if you ask me, would you have make, taken that vow had you known what you were actually saying and what the consequences would be? If I say no, that means um, I took the vow under false pretenses and therefore the vow was never valid to begin with. And so that's what we learn from uh, from this uh, from, from this statement. Uh, that's what Rav, according to Rav Yosef, that's what Rav Yudah in the name of Rav Aseh meant to say. Yes, in these four vows, you don't have to cancel them at all. His point was, a Chacham should only undo vows that are like this category in which you can find that the person did not mean it to begin with. All right. Now, even though we said this, this halacha in the name of uh, uh, Rav Yosef, that you should not use regret, we're going to now um, conclude the daf with a few stories of, of sages who do undo a vow based on regret. A person came to Rav Huna to uh, ask him to uh, uh, absolve his vow. And Avuna says, is your heart upon you? In other words, do you have this desi- desire that this vow should be with you? And he said, no, I do not want the vow. And he undid it. In other words, this is just he regrets that he made the vow. He's not saying I didn't, uh, that I didn't realize the consequences to begin with. I, I, when I took it, I meant it. But now I regret and he said, that's fine. So you see, he disagrees with uh, this statement. And Potrin Bacharata, he would say, you can. You can undo a vow just based on regret. Another story. A person came to Rav Huna and he said, listen, I made this vow. I was got into a fight with my friend. I was very angry at him. And I said, um, I'm never coming over again. And uh, But now I regret it. So the rabbi asked him, listen, if there were 10 other people there who would appease you and would say, calm down, don't be angry, um, would you have made this vow? Right? This is one of the ways of, uh, of uh, um, uh, resolving a, a situation is by, uh, if someone's angry at me, I, I could ask 10 people to go and, uh, and intervene on my behalf. Right? 10 people, he'll feel chashuv. He'll feel important and uh, will calm him down. So if there was that, that many people, and was in public, and they and they said, "Calm down, right? Then don't be angry at him." Would you have made a vow? So the person who came said, "Certainly not. I would not have made the vow. I regret that I made it." So based on that, he absolved it again. Once again, this is an uh, absolving the vow based on regret, harata, and yet Rabbah Baravuna used it. Tanya, the Biuda Omer, Omrim lo leodam, lev ze alecha, imamala matirin oto. What we just saw in two stories, we're going to see in a baraita. Rabbi Yuda says, when a person comes to absolve the vow, the, a vow, we ask him, is your heart in it? And if he says, no, I don't, I don't desire it, then we uh, let it go. Rabbi Ishmael, Rabbi Yoseh, Omer Mishum Aviv, Omrim lo leodam, ilo yu asara bene adam, shifa yesucha brotasha mina darta, amar im amar lav, Matirin Oto. Or similarly, Bishmael says, in the name, uh, in, uh, the son of Rabbi Yodah says the name of his father, in other words, Rabbi Yodah himself said, that if a person comes and says, I made this vow in anger, we tell him, listen, if at the time there were 10 people there who would calm you down and appease you, would you have made the vow? Did you mean it? And he says, no, I would not have made it. Then we, uh, then we absolve it and we let it go. So we have a Braita that uh, backs up these two stories of Amoraim.
Okay, we have a few more stories in the same vein. To remember the stories, we have a mnemonic, Siman Ase El Az Ve'el Azad Yochanan Ve'yanai. We'll just see some of these stories today. Ha'hu de'ata lekameh de'rebi ase. Amar le kedu tahet. Amar le la. Person came to Rebi Ase, says, can you absolve my vow? And he says, do you regret it? He, he said, do I not, right? Do I not regret it? Of course I regret it. That's why I came to you in the first place. And Rabbi Aseh said, it's okay, the vow is canceled. Someone came to absolve a vow in front of Rabbi Elazar. He said, did you want this vow? And the person who made the vow said, if, it, if, if, if not that they had angered me, I would not have wanted anything. I didn't want this vow. I didn't want to get into a fight in the first place. No, I don't want the vow. And let it be as your will. His wish was that there was never a fight and there was never a vow. And therefore, based on that, he regrets it. So they undid the vow. There was a woman who took a vow against her daughter. He got angry. She got angry at her daughter and said, right, I'm never, I'm not talking to you again. The mother felt bad about it. She came to the Biochanan. And Biochanan says, Had you known that your neighbors would start talking about your daughter, they'd start spreading rumors about her. And they, here's what the neighbors are saying. Um, uh, the, no, the neighbors are saying, yeah, the neighbors started spreading rumors. Says, I wonder why this mother got so angry at her daughter that she, um, that she made a vow against her. It must be that the daughter did something very bad, right? Had the mother not seen the daughter do something very inappropriate, she would not have made this vow for nothing. And so now they start uh, rumors, oh, the daughter, she must have done this, it's terrible. And now the mother realizes that people are spreading all these terrible rumors about her daughter. So, um, uh, so Rabbi, Yochan, uh, Rabbi Yochanan said, if you, when you made the vow, if you had realized that people would be spreading these rumors about your daughter, would you have made the vow? No, I would never have made the vow. And based on that, he was able to absolve the vow. So we have all various stories of the ways uh, that rabbis absolve the vows. Uh, you see, people would make these vows impetuously, in anger, part of negotiation, and um, because, uh, because they did not mean the vow, would, would not have taken it, regret it, um, therefore, in some of these cases, um, like the Foreign Mishnah, the vow was never meant to begin with, and you don't even have to undo it. But in other others of the cases, person did say it in anger, so then he did mean it when he said it. But if they come back later and they say, "I regret it," or if I knew the consequences, I would not would not have taken it. Uh, those are the two ways to undo a vow. Baruch Adonai Amen.